Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. And I have to tell you, I uh, I went to see the, the San Francisco, I mean, the, I'm saying San Francisco Giants because my, my guest has a hat on. But I went to see the uh, Cardinals play the Eagles this weekend. And I went to Arizona. And it was great to see Philadelphia fans. I haven't, I haven't been to a game. God, I, I was at a game in San Diego years ago when Ryan Leaf was a quarterback against Rodney Pete. It was not a good game. But it was amazing. They always say Dallas is America's team and stuff like that. Well, I'm going to tell you, we went to a tailgate, uh, the Green West, that's uh, based in Colorado. And it was amazing. I was talking to all these different fans. And all over the country, there's a lot of Eagles fans. And people don't think that. But even like when we had breakfast, there was a uh, kids, a young couple next to us were from Dallas. And they were Eagles fans. At our seats, it was very weird. There was this young Christian couple from Denver. And they were Eagles fans. And we met some kid from East L.A. whose mom's boyfriend was an Eagles fan. It was just, they were everywhere. We met two girls from New Mexico who were Eagles fans. And it was just cool to talk to people and find out how they became fans. Because we always sit there and think, you know, I mean, I'm a fan because I grew up near Philadelphia. I was, I, was, I was bred into it. That's all I would see. But it's just amazing when you hear these stories. And our, our, my guest today is a very big sports fan, a huge Giants fan. Uh, it's yeah. Carlos Alzaraca. Hey, don't come Yeah, up. Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, yeah exactly. Where but were you? You're, you're from, you're from the Northern California. Northern California. I have my, my birth roots are from Yonkers, New York. Um, but yeah, I grew up like in the 49ers and the San Francisco Giants and, and all that sort of stuff. Even the Oakland A's. I remember watching Blue Moon Odom. We would actually take breaks during elementary school to watch the World Series games, which were on at like 12 o'clock. So the kids got to take a break and they roll the television set there. The old tube ones. Right. And we'd watch Vita Blue, Blue Moon Odom, Sal Bando. Joe Rudy, uh, Raleigh I, Fingers. All I remember guys. that team, and that, that was a team that the Mighty uh, A's. They had the uh, pinch runner, uh, Herb Washington. And they had the A's, and I remember I had a baseball card of him. Yeah. And we always, because we, we, we were little thing, is that Claudel Washington's brother? You know, because right. two Washingtons. But it was just weird, because that's how. Charlie Finley was such an innovator and just nuts. I mean, he's sort of like a Bill Veck of the next generation. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like a, yeah, the, the guy who invented matinee, too. You know, he brought that kind of ABA quality to the Major League Baseball, and uh, he coined uh, MC Hammer's name, named after yeah. Hank Aaron. It's crazy. Now, so it's funny, because you, you grew up as a little, little kid sports fan, and, and it's funny, you know, as a kid, you know, because the A's are great, and then, of course, you grew up with the great Niners team. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just amazing when you look at the history. You've grown up in that history of fans, and now for the Giants, now mm-hmm. you must be ecstatic, because one, you live in L.A., so you get you get the you get the there's a lot of bonehead Dodger fans. It's weird during the season we're like Cubs fans. We're we doomed. We suck. We can't hit. We need a new hitting coach. Sabian made the wrong moves. And then once they make the World Series, they get possessed. They I don't know. They get some Expelliarmus spell from Hogwarts and turn into this team that takes pitches. They work the count. They're stealing bases. Nobody these nobodies show up. Gregor Blanco, who was hitting one forty something in the leadoff spot, replacing Angel Pagan. All of a sudden, he's starting to hit. He's starting. People, something happens when the Giants beat the World Series, they just turn into a different team or the playoffs. Now, is, is this your, the third in five years, is it? Or? 2010. So, yes, the third in five years. That's just amazing. It's so funny because, and as you said, you know, it, it's conflicted for you, I'm sure, in LA when you wear your Giants hats. Yeah. People like, like an Eagles hat or a Phillies hat. The only time I ever got crap was when the Phillies beat the Dodgers in the playoffs. And at that one season, I yeah. had partial Dodger season tickets. So I went to a bar. I was at one bar with my friends. I went, you know, to another, and guys looking at me like, yeah, you get a lot of nerve wearing that shirt. And I was like, how many, te- how many games have you gone to this year of Dodgers? And he's like, yeah. none. I said, well, I've been to 20. I said, so I think I can wear a Philly shirt because I'm a fan. But yeah. it's like, it's like that, there's that false allegiance. Like it seems like the Niners fans and the Giants fans are all the same in one are true fans because you sit there, you didn't have all the 
glory years back in the day. I mean, no. you had John Montefusco, which everyone John loved. John the Count Montefusco and Johnny LaMaster at shortstop. Yeah, yeah, you love that, but it must be great for you now, especially because for this season, like, you guys were like the, the red-headed stepchild. Everyone's like the Dodgers had the big payroll. No one expected you guys to go to the World Series. Not this year. Not the way it was looking. Obviously, you get the, 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 uh, the powerhouse budget of Magic Johnson and co. spending untold gajillions to get uh, a great roster. And certainly when they won the West, you, you, you're thinking, boy, if Greinke shows up and, and Kershaw shows up in the playoffs, like he had he had not the previous year, they're going to go all the way. But I, I did want to mention, backtrack that, uh, you mentioned about fans were in certain shirts and rooting for certain teams. You mentioned that you were rooting for the uh, the Phillies against somebody else and a Dodger fan started rooting for the Giants and that didn't make sense to you. What doesn't make sense to me is I wear my Giants hat to the Clippers games and these guys will come by with their Dodger hats and like, boo, I'm like, uh, excuse me, Dodgers fans didn't, uh, weren't, uh, Giants fans didn't boo CP3 when he threw out the first pitch at a Dodger game. So you can't like both. Right. You can't tell me you're a Dodger fan and a Clipper fan. That's that doesn't work. Your Dodger fans booed Chris Paul because he didn't play for the Lakers. That means you're a Laker fan and a Dodger fan. You can't be a La- you can't be a Dodger fan and a Clipper fan. It's impossible. So I am totally allowed to wear my San Francisco Giants hat because a I like Chris Paul and I like the Giants. You're conflicted. But yeah, I, I'm the same way. I'm also on the same way with the whole Dallas thing because being a Dallas hater because I was a kid. I mean, yeah, we have I, to. Oh, we had to talk about us. Yeah, I mean, but you know, and uh, I mean, yeah. heartbreak, stallback, yeah. and. Those yeah. years, and, but you. But at least you guys won Super Bowls. Yeah, <laughs> That's, exactly. there's a difference. But because you don't, you don't, it never gets thrown back on your face when the Eagles are in first place. When they go, hey, yeah, uh, how many Super Bowls do you have? And I always think, yeah. Yeah, why don't you go listen to Springsteen Glory Days? And your girlfriend who used to be hot is now fat. Okay, that's look, look to That's the past. Look, look, look to the future, future because the past doesn't mean anything. I used to have hair. I'm bald now. Yeah. I mean, it's the same. You know, it's just the way it is. People, it's that cowboy fan. And I've noticed now. See, Niners fans are. are Diehard fans, and and you come from sort of a royalty of football, and it's sort of like Packers fans. Packers fans are diehard. If you yeah. guys, if the Niners are off, you we were off a few years ago, weren't doing that well. Your, yeah. fan, your fans didn't leave. No, they, they didn't leave. leave. But the and, and when when the Niners win a big game on Facebook, I know you you post yeah. a lot on Facebook. You don't see people going, "How about those Niners?" No, the Niners are a consistent fan. The Cowboys, when they win, it's like every other post is like, "How about those Cowboys? Cowboys?" And I go, "Who's Golden Richards?" I don't know. And then shut up. <laughs> Number eighty three, right? Yeah. So before I mean, Miles Austin was eighty. No, eighty three is uh, uh, Williams now. Yeah, I just saw him last night. But yeah, they don't know Golden Richards. They don't know Bob Hayes. Right. You know, people like that. I know Chuck Bernardrick, speaking of the Philadelphia Eagles, knocked out Frank Gifford. I know. still that great picture. Where yeah. He's about. So now, are you, have you always been a huge sports fan? I always have. I just grew up in an environment that was like that. In the, I grew up in the, you know, born in the 60s, but grew up in the 60s and 70s. And a, a, any kind of ball that there was, we would play with soccer, football, baseball, tennis ball. We played fast pitch against the garage door. Um, we threw a ball on the way to school. You know, we'd be late because the rule was if you drop the football, you had to go back from the the original point that you threw it. So we'd always wind up like five minutes late to school. So, yeah, we just love sports. And I had baseball cards, 73, 74 Tops series. I built this stadium with a wall, and we made up these rules. We, like a one is a single. Uh, we, uh, we had die. And you roll the dice, I guess, and one would be a single, two would be a double, three a triple, etc. Four is a foul out, five. And we made up these rules, and we'd roll the dice and shift the cards around the diamond. It was just something that we made up. So we were so invested and totally into it. I, was, I remember the uh, game where... Dwight Clark made the catch. It was a black and white Sylvania TV. And I was just standing in the back because I go, here we go again. Dallas is going to crush our hearts again. Ed Tutal Jones is bearing down on Joe Montana. Like, oh, he's going to throw it away. And Dwight, and I was like, I can't believe it. 
We finally won. We finally won. I remember that game because I said my one of my good friends growing up was a Niners fan. He's always has been. And uh, now he's an Eagles fan. He's got, still loves the Niners, but as he's gotten older, you know, he's yeah. in, he lives in Philly. But yeah, I remember that game. And it's, it's just weird because with the baseball cards, I used to have like the biggest collection. And you would sit there and you would play games. And if you look back, how many cards you screwed up? Like we used to throw them against the wall. And the closer oh, yeah. to the wall, you get it. But then you nick it. Yeah, but we never cared about... Like now, kids get a baseball card and it comes in plastic. For us, the, the great thing was that shitty gum yeah. that was like so powder. stale, and the powder would get on the top card. Yeah, but it was kids. I think didn't collect for money; they collected because they loved the sport. Absolutely, it wasn't about accumulating sort of treasures. It was like, no, I want to play with this right away, I, and I hope I get the guy I want because then I'm going to put a I'll staple him on my right. wall. You know. <laughs> But I love it. I, I'm not at, to the point where I play fantasy or anything like that. That's that's not my thing. But I revere sports. I watch ESPN. That's my Bible. That's my comic books. And I love it because they're modern day gladiators, and the outcomes are not re- the outcomes are real. They're not made up, and that's what makes it exciting for me. And and obviously, sports resonates with actors. You go to any Laker game or Dodger game, and there's. Big actor Billy Crystal, come on, he watch. Right. What am I? I'm a Yankee fan. I was at the Giant Stadium the other day. Why? Because Robin Williams is not here. He needs me here. I was a friend of his. I'm in town. I'm going to root for the Giants. What, am I, what else am I going to do? You know, so it's it's nice. It, it makes you instantly feel like a kid. Well, you do a lot of voices mm-hmm. as, as from a young age. Now, as a as a young kid, were you? doing the voices of the announcers that you watched on TV and football, or did that yeah, start later? Lindsey Nelson for San Francisco Giants. That's right, Lindsey Nelson. And he also used to do Notre Dame, Haskell Standback. I remember him saying, here we are, Notre Dame football quarterback, Haskell Standback. Yeah, and uh, Hank Greenwall was another one. Uh, and Monty Moore, and Bill King I used to imitate, uh, the late great. Uh, sorry, Laker fans, I know you love Chick Hearn, but Bill King was... I'm sorry, better. Just, I'm going to say it, flat out better. And I know it's a Northern California, Southern California thing, but he did Raiders stuff. Holy Toledo, holy moly, a great injustice has been done, ladies and gentlemen. The uh, famous uh, Pete Banasak fumble forward, Billy Casper kicking in the end zone. It's called Holy Roller. It's funny. I can't believe it. The announcers, there was a guy who didn't and didn't do play for play, but there was a guy at the Sixers game named Harvey Zinkoff. Yeah. And he would go, oh, Phil. And he had that voice. Like, you know, he was the PA. He was a guy at the stadium, the announcer yeah. guy. But he was so great. And it was like, it was just the thing. It's like, when I came out here, like Chick Hearn, I mean, I didn't know. I mean, I grew up with listening to Harry Callis and Richie Ashburn, just these great voices. I mean, because mm-hmm. NFL Films was right in the town next to me. Mm-hmm. And so for you, well, when did you start doing voices? When you like As a little kid? Or how did you know you wanted to do voices? I think as a little kid, just watching cartoons. And my mom is and dad are from South America. And my best experience was from Glasgow, Scotland. So I grew up with a riches of dialects and accents, you know, and Carlitos, no me digas, and Carlos, what are you doing? So right away, as like a five, six-year-old kid, I'm just starting to tap into all these different dialects and voices so and then it turned into cartoons and imitating uh you know pieces to pieces hey jinxie hey pixie all that kind of stuff you know and i i just kind of fell in love with uh, herman munster i think was one of my first ones i won't i won't i won't <laughs> i used to do that for the guys i love the monsters the monsters were great so happy herman the grand al lewis, al lewis hyman i'm in the basement making formula where's eddie so when did you decide you wanted to follow go into the career of 
Well, you did stand up was your first step, right? Well, what did you decide? Did you go to college? Or? Yeah, I was in college in Sacramento. I two years at a, a JC as I was playing soccer and running track, and then I decided to go in '82 to Sacramento State to pursue recreation administration. Like I was going to manage health clubs and stuff like that, and I still like that environment. I mean, I've always felt it was kind of healthy. But then I got into stand up comedy. I was doing some mime, and uh, I started liking it. It was fun. Then I got into a duo, did some performing there. Then I started emceeing at a place called Laughs Unlimited, and then I moved to San Francisco in '86 and thought, well, let's give this a try. And I worked at two different health clubs during the day and did my stand-up at night. And then in 89, I started to uh, jettison the, the health club stuff and go on the road and just kept going. And then Rocco's Modern Life came around in, in 91. And um, it was my first kind of voiceover audition. And I did this little voice like this, and then it turned out to be Rocco for Rocco's Modern Life. And said, I'm going to move to L.A. and see how that goes. And then... Uh, I said, hey, I know a guy could play Heifer, uh, try out Tom Kenny, and then Tom Kenny came on board, and then Rocco turned into this thing, and I got an agent, boom, 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 then the Taco Bell Chihuahua, and then Reno 911, and everything just sort of started falling into place. You know, I didn't have an acting background, I was a jock that played right. sports that was could imitate people. Now, I see you, uh, you talked about soccer, and I, I've seen your post during the World Cup. Oh, yeah. Um, now, who who is the team you root for first when it comes to international soccer? USA, okay. for sure. And then number two is Argentina. And then most Latin American teams, I don't necessarily root for Brazil per se because they're sort of perennial favorites, favorites, and I think they get favoritism from FIFA. Um, so I like Brazil. I mean, I like uh, Argentina. And then I'll root for like teams like uh, Colombia. It was exciting to see them playing well again. This guy, James Rodriguez, is great. I think he's on Real Madrid now. Um, and then uh, I like, I've always liked Netherlands. I just like the, just like the way they play. And uh, so that's probably my one, too. And Italy, because my wife's Italian. So. Okay. So now, did you enjoy watching the World Cup? Do you really get into it? I loved it. And, and to anybody, you know, people that, oh, they don't score enough points. Well, the scoring is irrelevant in basketball. If it's 160, if 101, 101 in the third quarter, I don't need to watch the first three quarters. All that matters is the last four minutes. Soccer's the complete opposite. Watching basketball is like watching porn. I want to see them have sex a lot. Well, I want to watch more of an erotic film where maybe at the end they might. It builds the tension. It's more like real life. It's not supposed to be easy to score. See, my, whole, my whole thing about soccer is also is when I was a kid, I used to watch like, you know, Beckenbauer and, and the Cosmos. Yeah. And, you know, and then there was... I remember, Toby Charles! Yeah, it was great. And then there was Philadelphia had a team called the Philadelphia Fury. And this guy, Peter Osgood, the Wizard of Wizard of Id, came mm-hmm. over. And we and that got me a turn into soccer. And I didn't really watch the World Cup a lot until... God, it must have been... When I first moved out here, probably 13 years ago, but there was a bar in Burbank called Fantasia. And they mm-hmm. would, they couldn't serve beer. It was when the World Cup was in... Uh, the games were on really late. Mm-hmm. And everyone would go like for a USA game. It was like at 1.30 in the morning. And they couldn't serve beer, but they were allowed to stay open. And it was just so good to watch. Everyone just got into it. And mm-hmm. when the World Cup comes, it's just... You can you cannot not get into it because you sit there. I mean, me, I'm sitting there watching. You know, my 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 mom's side is part Austrian and part uh, Croatian. Oh yeah, my dad's English German. So I got teams to root for. You I'm, got them. You the US, So you can watch them. And I, I agree with you. People are always like, it's too low scoring. Well, people say the same thing about baseball. And baseball is a lot longer. At least soccer, you know. Okay, it's, it's ninety minutes. It. Yeah, it's baseball. Give or take uh, FIFA's penalty time. What right, Brazil right. gets six minutes? I one it's, guy got injured. Now, who did you pick to win this? this 
this cup this year? I was picking Argentina. Okay. I, I thought when Di Maria went down, that was huge for them. And then, uh, not Suarez, but, uh, oh, I always forget his name. It's Messi and Di Maria and they're, and they're uh, Aguero. Aguero was not playing very well. He was, he was also injured. So had they had a healthy Aguero and a healthy Di Maria for the final game, I think they could have beaten Germany and won. I was obviously pulling for the United States. I thought they could make it to the semifinals, and they almost did. Um, so I was pulling for those. Yeah, but to me, it's the greatest tournament in the world with so much on the line. People are playing for their country. It's it's so devoid of this dream team bull crap, you know, that we manufacture all our... So people have to train for it. We jettisoned Landon Donovan this year. We, we tried young players. We tried five people that had German citizenship first, right. but were also American. We brought those in and... And the collective excitement and the roar of a crowd in a bar is there's none there's nothing like it when a goal when USA scored against Belgium when uh, oh gosh what was his name number twenty three uh, Fabian Johnson scored uh, Damian Johnson there's Fabian and Damian the the midfielder who scored that goal against Belgium to to tie it up or to go ahead two one but it was just I was at uh, Barney's Beanery and it just exploded there's nothing like that I don't even think in football there's anything like that it is true it was so funny because I, I I was at yeah I was at the same, I was at Gordon Beers watching that game yeah. and there was two people down wearing uh who who was it against the uh, they both went, uh, Belgium and then they finally lost against uh, Belgium was where the Belgium scored the goal in the last I'm sorry Portugal is the game Portugal. Belgium is where they lost in overtime okay well Portugal there's some people who had these three people to Portugal and everyone's like ah and then that's when Portugal scored with like yes. two seconds left and it was just weird because it was so funny that everyone was just so into it I mean it's like the you know even like the uh, Armenian cab driver from Burbank yeah. is rooting for you and, and it's just it was amazing to see that and then people say well you know soccer is you know whatever then what was your take on Donovan do you think he should have played and you know in hindsight it turned out it turned out right because because of the the, the types of teams that they were playing because of his uh, you know declining speed he, I think it was a fine not to include him his leadership was sort of questionable in terms of how much did that team need it I didn't think they did need it obviously Donovan not playing uh, was not as important as Altador going down and it's not like you know oh we should have had Donovan to replace Altador I don't think there's a, an equal replacement for Josie Altador so. I think in hindsight, it was the right move. You know, you bring a guy named Ju- uh, Julian Green in who, you know, you could say that goal was meaningless, but it wasn't. It could, we could have tied up right. Belgium there. You know, I think it was important for the next four years to bring Julian Green in and bring uh, a couple of the younger guys in and leave Donovan off. And, you know, it might have been a person, personal battle, but I, I don't see it. I don't think it hurt the uh, USA's chances at all. Now, being such a big sports fan, I know you were on the Stephanie Miller tour mm-hmm. now. Does it? Do you ever sit there and when is there ever a big game where you're sitting there and you have to do a show and you're like, oh, oh man. man, like you sit there and go, it's like me for like a Sunday. It's like I'm sorry, Sunday's my Eagles time, you know. And I know yeah. I have to go, and it's like I'm, I got cast in this web series, and I lied to the guy. I said, well, no, you know, Sundays aren't good because my girlfriend's going to town because it's just that that yeah. football thing. But what would happen to you because you, you travel a lot now? Well, I'm not traveling as much. Although the tours are sort of on hiatus as Stephanie has moved over to free speech, but. Um, Gosh, I I don't know that I missed any games because they the the shows were always on a Saturday night. But I might be checking out a college football game score or at some of those times at a, a Clippers game. Like it was basketball playoffs. I think I was missing some Clippers playoff stuff. But um, now I have kids stuff to do, and it almost works out better for me because like we may go to Chuck E. Cheese tonight with my daughter. Where I'm not sure, and it's Game Six of the World Series, and I'm right. excited and I'm nervous. But I DVR it and I turn off my phone. And what I do is I talk to my buddy Scott Parkin. You know, he has a great podcast called The Farm Report, 
and we're both uh, Giants fans. We both DVR it and then just fast forward through the KC at bats because we're too nervous. And if they don't score great, if they do, like okay, they scored. I don't want to watch Kansas City at bat. Nothing can hurt us when the Giants are up, right? right? Unless we get injured. That's so we fast forward. So. I might be doing stuff with my kids tonight. I'm sure I will be and helping my wife take care of the kids and casually watch as it's in the background. And if not, if it's starting to get too tense, like, oh, my God, Kansas City's got three runners on base with no outs, I'll just pause it and go, you know what, I'll watch it later. So you can do that. See, I can't – well, it's funny. My thing comes from – you know, it's like when the Olympics were on uh, much – Later, like a few years when Phelps had that great that yeah. race where he just won. And I remember I was dating a girl at the time, and I was, I was going to her house, and we are going to watch the Olympics. And I'm at Ralph's, and I'm getting something, and uh, some guy's trying to hit on the girl behind the counter. He goes, oh, yeah, you see that Phelps? And I'm like, you're a dick. It, you know, it hasn't been on TV yet. It's like, you just gave it away. And that's mm-hmm. the thing. I mean, how can you handle it when it's the World Series? Mm. It's, not, it's not like a little game. I know you're a good father, and you have your kids, and you're, you, your wife, and you're a good husband, but it's like... It's the damn world series. It's like you guys can win tonight. It's like I mean, I know. I guess for Giants fans, you guys are getting used to it. So it's. I mean, it's still. It's still. It's, it's still, still great. exciting. You know, the last World Series, um, I was on the couch with a glass of whiskey. My friend Vince Don Vito, who's a Mets fan, well, came over to the house. Uh, Riley had just gone to sleep, and I said, hey, "And I'm watching the game, and we're up four nothing." And I watched uh, Sergio Romo strike out, Cabrera looking. And I'm like, "Hey, we won the World Series. Cool." And I was like, it was fine. It was nice. It was relaxed. But there's something that I missed there. And I don't know. I I guess I'm older, so I'm okay with it. And maybe I am spoiled. The Giants have won. Ever since I was crushed game six when uh, Rick Ortiz gave the ball to Dusty Baker and they lost that game and I knew Levon Hernandez was pitching the next game, we are doomed. And I was crushed. Ever since 2010, that first World Series just kind of relaxed everything. And so the 2012 one, when I was watching Cabrera strike out looking, was like, oh, okay, we got another one. Right. You kind of feel spoiled. It's like a trout farm. It's like yeah. you, you toss a thing and, oh, I got another trout. <laughs> it's like, it's not real fishing. We won already. But I will be excited tonight, you know. And if there's a game seven, um, I think I'm going to go out to dinner tomorrow night and just DVR the game. I, I can't watch a game seven. It's really? it just too nervous. I have a friend like that who's a huge Patriots fan. And when the Patriots played the Giants, uh, we'd, we'd, I mean, last three years I had Super Bowl parties. And I said, you come into the party? He goes, I can't. I go, why? And he goes, I can't, uh, I can't watch the game with anyone else. And I'm like, it's a game. I mean, it's a Super Bowl. Yeah. But, it's like, but it was so funny because then he's the type of get would get pissed. You know, yeah. I, I told people, I said, well, because I, I hate the Giants. Yeah. So I said, Giants fans, you know, and I don't want to root for the Patriots, but it's lots of two evils rooting for the Patriots. Yeah. But yeah, for you, I mean, it's, I, it gets because you guys are used to it. Like if the Eagles ever made the Super Bowl, oh, yeah. I'd be like, you know, okay, we're not having a party this year because just because I don't want to have a party. Like this year, we're having Thanksgiving. We always have a few people over. Yeah. The Eagles play the Cowboys. Well, if the Eagles lose, I'm going to be in a bitchy mood. My girlfriend's a Eagles fan. She's going to be in a crappy mood. I'm like, guys, the turkey may, the, the turkey will be good, but yeah. the company may suck because that's like, that's like the Super Bowl to us. Yeah. I don't have that luxury of my wife being that into sports and maybe that works out best. She's a casual Yankees fan. Her, her dad is from the Bronx and her grandma used to have the uh, Yankees games on all the time, just at home in the background. She loved having that as a comfort. But uh, yeah, there's something I love the way that it affects the psychology of people. It really can ruin your day. It's just like, I, but I love that. 
And and for people that don't get it, it's like it's not fair for you to say, "Hey, you didn't watch sports." It's like, well, you're not invested in it. I guarantee, if you just gave it a chance and invested in it, you would have to suffer the consequences of not feeling good when they lost. Right. And, you know, that, and it takes something to to say that. It's like, yeah, I'm in fact, I want my team to win. Well, I don't know what it is. I, it's it makes us feel better. Like when a World Cup wins for a poor country, you know, when South American team or Brazil wins, it it lightens up the whole country. They forget about all the the problems that went into building all these stadiums and stuff. That's why to have, for me, the World Cup in Qatar, you know, because FIFA's corrupt and it's gross and all that kind of stuff and they got paid off by all these shakes to build these stadiums there by Nepalese workers who die. They estimate that 4,000 people are going to die by the completion of, for the World Cup in 2022. That's just a given. Eh, just 4,000 people are going to... It's, it's nuts. But so uh, that, to me, I, I like when they have World Cups hosted by Brazil or, or Argentina or even Germany or uh, South, South Africa. It goes back into the community. It helps everybody, you know. When South Africa played well, when, when those nations, uh, it lifts people up, but it also pulls the rug out and it crushes you, you know. I know. And what happened last Sunday when we went to the Eagles game? I mean, I'm sitting there, you know, and it was so great because, you know, as I said earlier, always in the, the – all these people from Philly, and it's just, yeah. it was cool. I mean, the tailgate was I because I, I hooked up with this people online. I said, you know, this, I want to find where a tailgate was, and the mom was like forty five bucks. I'm not paying for that because you know what? We don't. We had free breakfast at the hotel. We're not, not going to eat all the food. You know, yeah. we went and uh, it was just amazing how people got into it. And what's cool about Arizona? It's a beautiful stadium, beautiful stadium. Yeah, Glendale. Um, you go in there, and it was probably. 35 to 40 percent Eagles fans because a lot of people traveled. What they do back east is when it's getting cold, they, yeah. they find out so they come out. Snowbirds from Chicago, too. Yeah, and it was it was just one of those things where you know you you take the lead and there's two minutes left and you're so excited. And there was this, you know, there's like these the Arizona fans were all nice, except there's these two dicks. And one guy's actually wearing a Cowboys hat watching the Cardinals game. I don't get that when people wear a different like. Like you, you can go to. You can I can go, wear Giants because it's a different sport. Yeah, exactly. That's a, but when you walk in, like one guy was wearing a Giants. I mean, a, a Cowboys Des Bryant jersey. He walked by the Eagles tailgate, and everyone just laid into him, like Dallas, you know. But it's just then when they lose, and you're there, you just you go from this high, and you know, and then you forget that you're in the other team's home. So they have the right, you know, it's it's their thing. Yeah. Because the announcers, you know, it's like third down and everything in the Cardinals and you're like oh because there's so many Philly fans but yeah it ruins your day like we left Sunday we were just like deflated we were like oh, and we yeah. flew out there you know it was we we're having a great time and we we're meeting all great people I met some people that on Facebook who I know just from being Eagles fans and stuff and you're talking to them and then everyone's great and then all of a sudden in a snap it's done and your whole day is ruined and it's really yeah. sad when you think about it I mean on TV I don't feel as bad but when you're alive and you traveled and it's your first game for a long time you just get crushed yeah you would have been floating had had they pulled it off and, and almost like last night when uh, the that team from Washington oh screw you Dan Snyder I have some stories about this guy uh, that uh, uh, he clear cut some trees to have a better view of the Potomac and eventually lost that lawsuit but got to keep the trees clear cut that's another story about Dan Snyder but uh yeah, you get crushed. I went to see the Clippers play Phoenix in Game 7, maybe, f- what was it, gosh, when they made the finals, when uh, uh, Dunleavy was still the coach. We went to that Game 7 in Phoenix, and they lost, and it was crushing. But m- one of my more interesting sports stories, we made a trip to London uh, when we were pregnant with our first daughter, and we went with our buddies, uh, Corey, who's a big Gator fan, big Gator fan, went to the University of Florida, and his wife, uh, Phil. We're in London, and part of the trip was we're going to go to Denver, because he's a big Tim Tebow fan at the time. Tebow's a quarterback. 
Denver 49er game. It's a 49er home game, so there's 49er flags all over the Wem- new Wembley Stadium. It's great. There's all these people dressed up. And there was a little kid from England in a Florida Gator uniform with a Florida Gator helmet. Funny. He's like, I don't know. We went to Florida, and he loved the team, and he loves the colors. So that's why. So we watched that game. We're having fun. And that was the, the, the same uh, World Series, Giants versus the Texas Rangers. So we get there on a Thursday morning. The first Giants game was on a Wednesday night. We land. We get off the plane. We're going to the tube to take it downtown from the airport. The first people I see are these Mexican guys because they're in town for the 49er game in their Giants gear in the tube in London. And I'm like, what happened? I was like, dude, we beat Cliff Lee last night, 11-3, man. We're up 1-0. And I'm like, cool. Mexican guys in England. (laughs) So we do that and go to the game. And then game three was in Texas, the one they lost. First of all, we're in, a, we're in a pub called the Bar of Americas. Why are we there? Because there's the Florida Gator Club in England. That's so cool. And they're playing the Georgia Bulldogs. Where all these English guys are watching their football and the thing, it ends. And the, the game between Georgia and Florida gets heated. The Americans are starting to argue. And what the fuck? What the places are they arguing about? They're going to fight each other. They're stupid. And so the Americans had taken over this bar, and then the game, the baseball game starts, and I'm in a bar in London full of San Francisco Giants fans chanting, let's go Giants. I go, this will never happen again in the history of time. See, that's so great. It was awesome. And it's so great also because like when they just played the NFL game this past weekend, what's amazing is... Atlanta that, and that's uh, that's Detroit. the one place where everyone can wear a different football jersey yeah. because you're on the team. But that's what's great that you sit there and you find someone who you know is in England and they're like, there might be a Jaguar fan. You're like, eh, you know, there's just, you can't even find Jaguar fans in yeah. Jacksonville. But that's what's cool. That's what makes it great. I mean, it makes it universal. I wish the World Cup would get that appeal over. I mean, it's getting better here, but I wish that oh, yeah. would, people could sit there and wear it. Like, you know. I, I remember I used to this guy who used to sell like these bootleg jerseys out of his trunk. So I got these like for ten bucks. I had like it was it was the Netherlands one, but it said it was like they were awful, but they yeah. were cool. I, I bought Mexico, I bought the Netherlands, yeah, I bought Germany, and I and I, it was just fun though because it was like you got into it and you could go to a game and you could root for someone different, you know, and that's yeah. what's great. They just love sport, man. And yeah, look at the World Cup this year. Grand Park in Chicago packed, Kansas City packed, you know. That you can't. That many people are not going to fill Grant Park in Chicago for the Super Bowl. Right. It's just not going to happen. And I think people are are, are jealous and afraid of what they f- are afraid of what they don't understand. And soccer has its appeal. Man, you go to these soccer only stadiums. Though the former Livestrong Stadium, now Casey Sporting Green Stadium in Kansas City, Kansas, by the Legends Mall. I walked through it because I used to play the club out there for Glazer. It's a great stadium. It's dedicated. Look at the Seattle Sounders. Look at the Portland uh, Timbers. People are embracing football. When it's seen in a stadium that's 22,000 people and it's small, they're starting to embrace this sport and it's taking over. You know, I, I love it. I hope well, it, I hope it continues. You love sports. Yeah. I you love, love You love comedy. I love comedy. Now, now you love whiskey. I love whiskey. Now, yeah. how'd you get into it? Because I like, I, I want to talk to you about some of the whiskeys you like. It's funny because we went to an Irish pub uh, called Rula Bula in uh, Phoenix in downtown on Tempe uh-huh. on Mill Street. And uh, we were looking at different whiskeys and they had uh, a bunch of Irish ones, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, for you, I mean, when did you start becoming a whiskey fan? I think it was 1995 or 6 uh, when I started skydiving again with my friend Colin Reno. He was working at William Morris, and we got back into skydiving. I had done three or four jumps, and then I became a skydiver. So we went to Monterey to do some jumping as I was doing some comedy. He came, and we were doing some skydiving. And uh, he said, you know what? I'm going to turn you on some whiskey. Let's go to a bar. Let's do it proper. So there's no JD out of a plastic right. cup. No, it's like we're going to sit down. We're going to drink some single malts. I think one of my first ones was Bush Mills. 
um, an Irish whiskey. And then we graduated to Jameson, and then I think we went over to a Glen Levitt at that time. And so I was drinking it slowly, always neat. And that's when it started in 95, and I began to appreciate it because I drank it properly. I didn't guzzle it, didn't shoot it, and I got the good stuff. And then it's just kind of built and built and built. And for me, when I was on the road after a show, I would always, generally, you know, two shows, I would Friday drink a Red Bull between the shows, stay up, do my show, everybody leaves. And then I would sit down with a pint of beer and a nice, you know, nice shot of whiskey after the show, get that nice, comfortable buzz. And that was it for me. I didn't need to drink to be... Right. Um, and now it's a, it's kind of a Donald Draper thing with two kids, you know, when the kids go down and you get your time, there's some nights of the week, I take it with the rocks now, I go, the Spayburn 10 is one of my favorite bargain whiskeys, it's a Scotch what is whiskey, it? Spayburn 10, and I've been reading on it, Speyside whiskeys are the, the River Spay in uh, northern Scotland that, that supplies a lot of the whiskeys like Dalwini, I think Glen Levitt, Spayburn. Uh, tons of whiskeys are, are, are space side whiskeys. Uh, I, I might be, I may be at a turn, but I think a Balvenie is a space side as well. But I like to pour a little whiskey, a couple, and just take, and just, it just, I don't know what it is. It is a very Donald Draper Mad Men moment. It relaxes me. I don't drink to get drunk or forget. It doesn't feel like it, hopefully, you knock on wood, but it just feels good. It, it tastes good. And, and so now, as per my post that you've seen on Facebook, we, cre- we created for the Burbank Dads. You know, to us, it's our trip into Vegas. Is luck be a lady tonight, private jets? No, we're just going to have whiskey on a porch and walk over to Claim Jumper and eat a hamburger and come home by 1030. But to us, it feels like this giant escape. So the, it's, it's grown. We'll meet at somebody's house and we'll just line up all these different whiskeys. And then my friend's super into it. He starts going online. And my friend Manny's from India is like, you don't, you don't have to go crazy. You don't have to research anything. You just, look, find something that you like and you just enjoy it. That's it. You don't have to go on the internet and find all these things. But for me, I, I don't mind because we're drinking like, I brought over some Lafroy because I... I was going to mention you have my buddy, uh, a friend, he's actually a detective up in Ventura. But we were neighbors in San Diego and then we lived in LA before we moved up there. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting there and he turned me to Lafroy because he was in Scotland and he was in some little village and he was like, he would hike every, you know, he's, yeah. you know and he would... He went to this village and he said, what are the regulars drinking? And they pulled out Lafroy. Lafroy's very uh, peaty. Peaty and smoky, yeah. yeah. And uh, But it was good. It was funny. And, and you mentioned Bushmills. And we sell this at the Irish pub. There's actually a Bushmills single malt that's very hard to find that is amazing. Okay. And I'm sure that. They had that. And my, my buddy had bought it for me from England. It's a blue bottle. I get my whiskey's cruise uh, now. Jameson is the Catholic or Bushmills is the Catholic? Bushmills is the Protestant, which I never yes. knew. I had a friend. That's right. Who was, uh, he was crazy. And he came over one night. He knew a friend of mine. He said, oh, we, so we, we were hanging out. And I said, come over. So we'll go out to a bar. I said, I said you want some Irish whiskey? And I, he goes, yeah. So I got what was on sale. You know, this was years ago. I was like, yeah, Roscoe. I got the Bushmills. I'm not drinking that uh, Protestant crap. I'm like, what? And he, I, never knew, I never knew the difference. He had to tell me the whole story. And they're really serious about that. I mean, the hardcore Irish are very, very serious about that. Oh, yeah. It's like uh, going to a, a Rangers Celtic United game. You better if you're a Ranger fan, you don't you don't show up at Celtic Stadium and you're blue. You know it's dangerous. It'll literally kill you. But um, yeah, I like Bushmills, and I, I my favorite um, one of my favorite uh, whiskeys, Irish whiskeys, is Redbreast. It's very very sweet. They had the, they had the bottle there, and I believe my girlfriend and her mom were in Ireland two years ago, and. She, her mom brought her stepdad back a bottle of that. It's a good beginner's whiskey. It's really sweet. And I just found what I think is the Scottish equivalent, which is Tamdu. Okay. And very sweet, very easy to drink. Lafroy is not for a beginner. It's no. too peaty. It's, it's like Oban. Oban's very uh, peaty, too. Yeah, but 
Oban is sort of delicious. Balvinie is a good beginner's one. Um, but yeah, and then you spill over into the Kentucky bourbons. We just had one called Jonah's Mill, which is, whoa, it is potent. That is some good stuff. Um, there, Somebody turned me on to, uh, I went over to Vendome, and the guy said, try Wathen's Kentucky bourbon. It's like 22 bucks a bottle. To me, just as good as the Knob Creek. I like Knob Creek. Just as good as the Woodford for my for my palate. And I'm not super sophisticated. I can't tell you. Hints of almond with a rosy right. finish. I'm like, it's freaking good. I like it. You like yeah. basil, Hayden? I don't like it. I, I haven't tried oh, it. It's it's because they always say there's like that the Kentucky like it's it's uh, Booker's Baker's Basil Hayden and Knob Creek and I think Makers and uh, I tried the Basil Hayden I didn't really like it it was weird everyone's like oh this is so good and I'm the same way if I get a, a whiskey I get it neat you know I, yeah. I sip on it and I was just I was bummed I was like wait a second and then Knob Creek is a little sweeter which I like yes. that though. And and this is what we do on our whiskey nights. Uh, we start with something soft. We start with a Tamdu, which is nice, and then maybe go to a Spayburn, and then start into the uh, smokier. Uh, I think what were we saying? Balvenies, and then the uh, Lafroigs usually come last. We do. We end with the peaty stuff. So soften your. I guess it softens your palate. Yeah. To me, that's what it feels like. Well, it's funny you said you go to the Claim Jumper, yeah. which which is funny because me and my girlfriend were just talking about that. I was like, no one. I don't know. You're the first person I know who's gone to that claim jumper since yeah. it's been open. And it's years ago, it used to be a place called Daltz. Oh, yeah, yeah. Before and, and after it was McCormick Schmidt. Yeah, before it was Daltz. And it was funny because right next to my hometown, there was a little Daltz. And there's only like six Daltz in the country. And it had that weird curse of it. I remember moving to Burbank. I'm like, oh, my God. Does I'm at matter? home. There's a Daltz. But we went in. Yeah. And it, that was during the, the World Cup the, years ago. Yeah. And we went in. And the bar was about to close. We go in to watch a game. And they go, well, we're going out of business. We're like, yeah, but you're open. They go, we don't have any beer. And we're like, why even open during the World Cup? Yeah. Just close the doors. Just shut it down. Why tease people? It's good. It's it's built up sort of a neighborhood camaraderie for me. You know, it's uh, you know we're all dads, and uh, like I say, it's it's just a fun night out, and we look forward to it. We actually plan it. Like, oh my God, whiskey whiskey claim jumper night. See, that's cool. You know, the clock goes off, and it's Willy Wonka time. You know, yay! I got a golden ticket. So what's going on with the career? I mean, I know, I know, I see your post about you know when you're on the road, Stephanie, and I know you do a lot of voice work. It's funny because Lombardo Boyar was on. was talking about when you guys because he even brought you up when he goes, yeah, I did so. He goes. I'm not, you know, I'm not a, a like a, a real voice actor <laughs> like Carlos. Yeah, but I'm not. So I mean, you've been you've been in Happy Feet. Been in Happy Feet. I, Book of Life is still out now. It's a gorgeous film. It's really really well done. I played General Posada Maria. Now, and, how did how did that role come up? Because is it because they know your work and yeah, also it's a Latino based. Film, right? Latino-Mexican-based film. And I know Jorge Gutierrez for many years. I started with him when Pepe and the Bull, him and Sandra Aquiwa, his wife. And Jorge's the kind of guy, he's a Cal Arts guy from Mexico City, actually. And he's the kind of guy that will go to the mat for you. If he likes what you do and he likes you as a person and, you're, and you do a good job, he'll try to shepherd you into all his projects. When, you know, a lot of the execs, he, me and Eric Bowes and Great Delisle scratched the whole movie. And then we did our characters, and then, you know, some of the executives wanted to replace us with other people, and he came and stood up for us, and so did Guillermo del Toro, and he said, no, we like these guys. What they did is funny, and we're going to keep it. So um, that's how I continue to work with guys like Jorge. I'm doing more Fairly on Parents, uh, I think. I think that's uh, going to happen. Um, I've been doing Fairly on Parents for like 10 seasons. Um, I'm guesting on some Archer, uh, guest rolling on, uh, I did this, what, Moonbeam City was another one I did a, uh, an episode of. So I'm doing more utility stuff now and series reoccurring. And um, I did this different thing on Channel 101. I just got in, into this with Eric Bauza. It's called uh, Santiago. I did episode number four. That's on my Facebook. 
and I'm pitching stuff and piecing it together. And I have a big commercial campaign in the Southeast. It's for Direct Auto. And I play a race car driver named J.J. Hottail. And he's basically like their flow. You know, I'm J.J. Hottail. And if you need better insurance, you come and see me. Blah, 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 J.J. Hottail. Now, how did how did that come up? Because it's so because you think it's so funny because I've gotten to know this with different guests where like someone says, "Oh, you know, I had a uh, a big campaign in I was a Pat Finn said I had a big campaign in Arizona." I'm like the the cable guy or even the um, the Royals fan. I can't. He's the Del Taco guy. Uh, God, I can't think of his name. But he's like Greg Binkley. Yeah, Binkley was on the show and he's going crazy now because he threw a first pitch out at Kansas City. That's right. Now, why can't you get a Throw a first pitch out at the Giants. I don't know, man. You got that? Can you're the big, now you're the big guy in South Africa, come, no, South, South America, South America. How did right. that come? How did that come about, though? That, that job. I mean, was it out of based out of USA? Or did they know you were? How did the audition come? Were you? You know, it was an audition for Direct Auto, and it was here. It was held. Uh, Haley is her name. A really nice casting director, and the director of the first boss happened to be Michael Patrick Chan from Reno Nine One One. So I went in on audition, and uh, I knew Michael, so that helped. It was very comforting, and I played this race car driver, and he's supposed to have a mustache, and he's supposed to be a good old boy, and so I did my audition. And and I missed the callbacks. I was in Kentucky at um, at the comedy club in Lexington. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm in Lexington. I can't make it. It's like, She's like well, just come in Monday. And I came in Monday and I did my callbacks. And obviously, I did a good job. And having Michael Patrick Jan as the director helped convince the clients, like, look, I've worked with this guy in Reno 911. He's great. And so they liked me. And I did it. And I did uh, about eight spots with Michael Patrick Jan. Then the next ones I did with uh, Jared Hess, who directed Napoleon Dynamite. And then... They switched ad agencies, and we thought, okay, the campaign's over because they're going to switch, switch out. Company Direct is not going with this ad agency or this campaign's pro- – but the new agency came in and said, no, we want to keep this campaign. We just want to switch the direction of the character a little bit. And so now for 2014 and 15, he's, he's not a dumb and oh gosh and stupid. He's more Ricky Bobby. He's confident but still stupid. But right. not like I'm an idiot. Like, no, I know what I'm doing. And the audience can see that he doesn't know what he's doing. So um, that's how I got it. It was just an audition in L.A. And it certainly helped that Michael Patrick Jan was a director. And I got some talent. You know, and they like me. It must be It must be when you think about it. It's just how this business, you know, is, you know, you're huge down yeah. there. But you're living in L.A. You know, you're sitting there, you're, you're watching the Giants. You're going, to, you're going to Dad's, you know, night with the whiskey. And But yet in, in this other country, I mean, it's uh, like, Other part of the country. Yeah, yeah, well, but it's I mean, and p- other people be like, wow. I mean, it must be very... In the SEC, well, it's SEC country. It's the southeastern states. Well, I think so, it's South America. No, oh, South, Southern, um, Southern America. America. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. My, Southern part of America. Okay, I thought was, you said South America. That's why I was like, wait. I probably okay. did. I'm tired. It's, I don't sleep. Right. So, uh, so, but that must be cool because I mean, it is. If, if you went to an SEC game, you'd probably get mobbed. Yeah, you I went to a wrestling event, a TNA wrestling event there where they did a tie-in and people knew who I was. I threw out a first pitch actually at the uh, Nashville Sounds game and I threw a slider and the catcher was like, holy crap. He's like, dude, good pitch. You know, it was only about 60 miles an hour, but it was still, it broke right over the plate. It was beautiful. I, and I wish that I had, the, I'm still going to try to find that news footage because there was a news crew there. Because I wanted, to, I wanted to see if I could get on SportsCenter Top 10. Like, look at this. This is J.J. Hightail, the direct auto spokesman, and watch this first pitch. It was from the mound because a wrestler stepped on there. You're never supposed to throw a first pitch from the mound. You don't touch that mound because they groom it. Right. You, and this big wrestler went to the mound and was like, should we tell him? No. So he threw from the mound. I said, uh-uh, I'm throwing from the mound, too. And he didn't, he was bug yoked and he bounced it. And I threw a perfect slider, you know, broke from uh, like, what was it? Right to left, boom, right in the mid strike. And he's like, damn, dude, that was a good slider. And I was like, that's got to be on film. I want to make Sports Center. That's you, my goal. Were you nervous? 
No. Because I, I, know, I played baseball growing up. I know what I'm doing. And I guess it's not as many people. I mean, No, it's, it's a minor to, league game. And so, yeah, because it's funny on Sports Center, they show how many people, like Mike Wilbon's throw was awful. I mean, yeah. Chris, uh, we all remember. Uh, 50 Cent. What's his? Yeah, 50 Cent. 50 and, Cent. Uh, um, Carl Lewis is just horrendous. Yeah. And it, it's just so funny that they need to show better ones. A guy I went to college with is the uh, head soccer coach for Northwestern University. And he got to throw a game up, one out at Wrigley. Mm-hmm. And it was on, it was on, uh, he put it on uh, Facebook, of course. And it was pretty cool because he's sitting there, he's at Wrigley. They have his jersey, it says Lenahan. They give him a jersey and he goes up. And, you know, he's played soccer. He was, he was a world class soccer player, but he's sitting there going, you know, it's still, he's still getting nervous for him because sure. it's Wrigley. And it's like people want to see people fail. Like, for the, yes. you, know, you want to see someone like first pitch, you want to go, we want to see this guy. Just he should not be throwing. I mean, it's like having Larry King throw a first pitch out. Yeah, know, if he threw it, he'd be like, "This is great." We thought he, we thought he would die. Yeah, you know. So, but so you got to get a Giants first pitch. I, I'd love to be able to do that. I got to get something that just kind of sparks my career back, you know, and and gets me that a little bit more, a little bit more visibility. And maybe if that happens, I'll do it. And you know what? My advice to anybody that's gonna fail a first pitch: Bull Durham it, man. Just sail it. Don't bounce it. It's better to go high and into the stands than to bounce it. Because then at least they, you could see they got an right. arm. It's better to overthrow it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now stand up. Are you? And I see you. Now you doing stand up a lot more now, or a lot less now. Being a dad, uh, I did Fritz, uh, Fritz Coleman Benjamin the other night. I'm going to pop over to um, back into the improv and do some more spots this in this next coming year, and I think I'm going to hit uh, flappers as well. But in terms of road stuff outside, if a tour comes up again, I'll do it. But uh, that for me was always a means to an end, and I enjoy it. But so for me, no. I if I can stay here and do more voiceover work and do more acting, I, w- I will. I will do that. But stand-up, um, probably not unless it's a corporate thing. What I do enjoy doing is the cons now. Uh, I'm going to the Chromacon in Colorado in November. I think that's November 21st through 23rd. It's in Colorado. Just look up Chromacon 2014. It's a bunch of pot smokers. I have never smoked pot in my life, so maybe one day I can run for president. But, you know, a couple of my characters like Rocco and Mr. Weed from my family guy. Peter, you're fired. Uh, I think that resonates with that crowd, so I'm like, yeah, I'll go. Um, hopefully I'm going to do the big Florida Supercon next June and a couple of cons in between. I like the cons because it's the direct opposite of stand-up. Stand-up, as you know, when you go on the road, you're sort of uh, you're a self-imposed prisoner. You're alone 20, 20 hours a day, and then four hours a day you're with people at night, and then you go home and you're alone again. The cons are the opposite. You go home, you're with people all day, you're signing autographs, you're interacting with the fans, then the, 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 the marketplace shuts down, and you go out to dinner and you see friends, and you wake up and you're with people again the next day. So I like the, the inversion of that. I'm around people more, not by myself. So um, I will be doing a couple of cons, signing pictures, meeting friends, and uh, whatever else I can uh, get my hands on. How did you get into the con world? I mean, did someone come up and say, okay, you're, there's a... Uh uh, uh, what's the thing? There's a market for you. You're, yeah, there's for, a market. Did they say there's a market for certain characters? You said, hey, this yeah. sounds fun. Reno, Rocco, Taco Bell Chihuahua, uh, Mr. Weed from a Family Guys uh, resonates pretty well. So uh, I got into the sort of Justice League doom. I did Bane. Batman, I work for you, Batman. And I didn't realize, I just was sort of, uh, Andrea Romano said, do you want to play Bane? I'm like, okay. And I didn't know the legacy of Bane. Right. But people love Bane. So, yeah, you get into a cult sort of voice. Like, people go, I was the first Spyro the Dragon. You're like, you were the first, I have Spyro the Dragon. This is really cool. I actually had that uh, PlayStation 1 
when I had it, I used to, re- I rented Spyro. There was a 2020 video on Hollywood. And I loved that game. It was yeah. fun. It would bounce around. I didn't know how much your voice. That's yeah, cool. it was the first Spyro. So, yeah, that's how I got in. Some representative looked out there and said, hey, why don't you come and do these cons and sign? And so those are fun. I don't do a ton of them. I, I'm mainly staying in town and writing and pitching. And um, I, I need to do more stand-up, though. I, I do miss it when it's good. But like I say, it was always a means to an end for me. I always wanted it to lead into acting and more voiceover acting. So Now, your stand-up, has it changed because now yeah. you're a father? I mean, before, did you do a lot of voices in the very beginning? Or what was your act in the beginning? Was it, did you add? voices in or did you just do your act and use the voices as a compliment I, I did my act and use the voices as a compliment and i wanted to be another san francisco comet 87 i was very influenced by michael meehan stephen pearl warren thomas tom kinney rob schneider chris titus jeremy kramer larry bubbles brown david fellman linda hill you know they were all there it was just this pulse dana gould i wanted to be like them but add my own spin and so i was really trying to be high energy and weird and avant-garde and now it's sort of more of you know we're more influenced by somebody like a louis ck who's very honest doug stanhope i've always sort of admired joe rogan's kind of gritty and dark so i've i've sort of emulated everybody i've always liked but now it's it's more towards what i think is funny and i've been doing these uh pez essay shows with alex alex and um and they're, I, I like writing those. That's why my Whiskey Claim Jipper Night essay. So my stand-up now is more honest. One of my first lines is, I'm trying to reconcile being a father and a husband with still trying to be famous because it, it, it comes at odds at times where I'm leaving the house. My daughter's like, Daddy, why are you going? And I'm saying, well, you know, I love you, Riley, but not as much as the attention and adulation of strangers. Right. So I have to leave. <laughs> You know, how do you, that's, so that's one of my first lines. And then I talk about Riley's first fall and when she fell and how grave and indelible that was and how I felt guilty. And so I bring, I incorporate all that stuff into my stand-up now. And uh, I don't know, it's, it's weird. I'm, I'm kind of uh, shifting course, but still with an eye on, you know, still staying active and creative in other ways. You know, stand-up was just like, look at me, look at me, right. look at me. And now when you're a dad and a father and a husband, you're like, I don't need so much to look at me anymore, but I want to be creative and hope that that leads to something. And stand-up is, you have to be invested in it. You can't be casual with it. Right. Now, the, now do people expect something when they come to your show? If they hear you playing, because they know you're from Reno 911, they know your voices. Do they expect, because it's not all comedy crowds, they don't understand that, you know, you do the characters, but when you when you do your act, do people, yeah. are people sometimes like, wait a second, why is he talking about it? As kids, you ever you ever feel that feel like they're not sure? Like, you know, yeah, the- you know, I added a section. I added a section of voices when people were like, "Why didn't you mention for, you were from Rocco?" And I, I tied that into a bit about. It's a true story. Um, I had a comic. I said, first of all, I do Rocco and Rocco's Modern Light. I have to do this. I do Mr. Crocker and Fairyland Parents, Timmy Turner, Fairies, Mr. Weed on the Family Guy, who I mentioned. Yo quiero Taco Bell. I have a story about that. And then I say, people always want me to do voices. They always try to exploit me. Can you do that for my kid? Can you do this for my kid? All right, I'll try. I had a buddy, comic, wanted to sleep with a lady. Lady had a son. He's on the road. He's got four hours to make the flight and sleep with this lady. They call the Hulk Hogan line. The Hulk Hogan line is, is busy. So the, basically, the kid is prick blocking him. Because if I don't talk to Hulk, and the lady's like, he will make my son happy. He's like, good. He calls me. He's like, hey, man, you do the Hulk? And I'm going, no. And she's like, great. This kid's name is Justin. He's like, oh, I love you, Hulk. And I'm like, I don't know what to I don't do Hulk. Like, What's up, brother? Yeah, brother. It's the Hulkster, brother. And I couldn't get this guy, kid off the line. And I'm like, all right, uh, Hulkster's got to go. And then the joke is at the end is like, you really sound like the Hulk. And I'm like, yeah, well, that guy's not your mom's friend. He just wants to sleep with her. So... 
you know, I work that into the bit now, so I am throwing my voices in there. And I do a little Garcia. I play Garcia, and I do little quotes from the show. But you can't go up there and do Garcia for 45 right. minutes, you know. I used to do this bit about being a glass hole when you wear the aviator glasses. That, that's what makes you an ass is when you put on the glasses so they're glass holes. And so I, I would do a thing like, you know, when you're not wearing the aviators, you might be a polite person like, uh, you know, excuse me, sir, um, you cut in front of me and you have 15 items, this is 10 items or less. Oh, I apologize. I'm just sleepy. I got in the wrong line. You put on the glasses. You just cut in front of me. You have 15 items or more. I'm like, well, I got more than 15 friends. You're a freaking loser. Get out of my face. Right. People love that. And it was a way to sell glasses and stuff like that. And then I did a college tour with Cedric Yarbrough up until about a year and a half ago. We did about 70 colleges doing a Reno comedy improv hybrid show. We made some good money doing that. Uh, and then I did the Stephanie Mueller Sexy Liberal Comedy Tour, and that was great. Now, what did you talk about when you did that? Because it was the uh, was it your regular act, or was it more a political slant? I would what? incorporate more comedy, because I already have bits about voting for Obama and celebrating that night, and then Congress not getting along, and, and, and segued into world peace. Uh, I have a bit about... Um, uh, a London ice cream parlor making uh, ice cream out of human breast milk and how that I can incorporate the environment into that. So it's sort of slide topics to fit my bits and then get a little bit more political as well. But I was following John Fugelsang, who was exclusively political and right. religious, you know. But it worked. It worked because they know me from the show and they know me as a voice guy. So I incorporated my voices. And you can listen to the Stephanie Miller uh, free speech uh, radio uh, show every every day. I'm on every Wednesday from eight to nine, Coffee with Carlos. But uh, I incorporated those things, and I I, say, I sort of molded the politics into my act, and then wrote some new stuff too. Now the Coffee with Carlos segment. What do you talk about in that? Whatever pops up. Whatever pops like we would make fun of Liz Cheney and Dick Cheney. I created this sort of scenario where she was like, "Daddy, you love me more than your your the older daughter, right, Daddy? I love you, Daddy. I'll say anything you want me. Take me hunting, Daddy, please. I love you, Daddy. Shut up." You know, we sort of created a, this character, and it just came out of improv. You know, um, uh, I talk about that. We'll talk about ISIS. We'll talk about Ebola. We'll talk about Republicans. Um, you know, I'll often do George Bush and I'll throw it back to people complaining about Obama and complaining about the creation of ISIS, how he hasn't done enough. I'll go, hey, gosh, very good about the whole shock and all thing. <laughs> I created it and I bailed on you. Mission accomplished. So I'll throw the voices into sort of biting commentary on on Republicans who forget how the whole freaking thing was was created. So I'm, I'm sort of invested in, you know, I'm a... I'm a liberal, but I'm a kind of a Bill Maher independent liberal, you know. I'm Are you a, very political in your regular life? Or? Yeah, I, I think I'd like to be. And on a local level, there was a project going in. Uh, the Cusamanos are going to build this whole foods market. I heard about that. Now, where exactly was that? Is that where Dipples right, was? Yeah, Dipples is going. And so is the Victory Baptist Church. And I'm like, yeah, so long, Victory Baptist Church, you freaking <laughs> gay bashers. And the, the, the pastor of that church is bad news, man. He is bad news. I'll be clapping when that first shovel goes in, man. So that's the kind of stuff I do. I, I've got, a, I've got a, a John Lennon in me. I'm a nice person, but if you're a freaking dick and you, you're hating people based on fear and stupid ignorance, I'm not going to stand for it. You know that part of me is going to come out. You're a wanker, and you don't. Yeah. We don't need your car in this neighborhood. I mean, so yeah, I can get very sort of and they they, they need a Whole Foods in Burbank. They, I think, I mean, no, because I, I have right on my corner. I have the second Armenian market, Rafi's. Yeah, which there was. Red Star. Well, the Rafi's, what they don't get is it's right across from the Arco, which yeah. is the cheapest gas prices in uh, in America. In, no, in Burbank. They're very yeah. cheap. And so you get the cars pulling in there, and then all the trucks double park. And it, and I sit there, and it's like, I can't drive. I, but when I pull out of a garage, I used to make a right. Well, I can't because there's always like a truck double parked. And it's like, 
you, you want to argue that, but you, you send a text tweet to the cops. You go, well, it's not really uh, – they can do that. I'm like, how can you sit there and have a, a truck parked in yeah. a non – and then right next to it, another big truck. So – it's yeah, it's just awful. I did a demonstration. I went to a city council meeting, and everybody, everybody was coming up and going, "Look, we have traffic in our neighborhood. My cat got killed." And I go, "Here's, they're all. This is all sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? This is all sort of uh, rote for you. You're just hearing stories. Let me let me show you what it's like in the morning when I walk my dog every morning." And then I got in front of the city council. I looked at Kuzumano and I went, "Slow down!" There, I said, "There are fucking kids living here. Slow down!" I go, "Thank you." And they saw the rage in my voice. I wanted to show them an illustration of what reality is. Not what you have figures and you're to do. We estimate this many cars. That's not the reality. The reality are people are zipping down my street and I'm screaming like a maniac. I don't want to scream like a maniac anymore. We want cul-de-sacs. And so they're going to give us cul-de-sacs. <coughs> At least temporarily to see how good. we like it. Well, it's good you make a difference. We have a few minutes left. You said the acting. Are you doing? Are you doing? Uh, besides voice, are you getting up out for regular parts now, or uh, I'm, acting acting parts? I'm getting out for some smaller parts. I was on the, the Married on FX uh, show with uh, Nat Faxon and Judy Greer. I played a restaurant host, a little guest role. Um, I do in my commercial campaign. I'm not. I'm not getting out as much on camera uh, as I as I want to. But I'm trying to find my way back. Uh, I did this thing on Channel 101 with uh, Eric Bowser, like I said. And it's called Santiago. You can see that on my Facebook page. And sort of, uh, I'm writing, I've written, written a short film that uh, we're going to film, hopefully, beginning of next year. Uh, my director's going to shoot a feature, so I have to find another director. So I'm starting to create my own path. Um, but I don't know what's on. We had a deal going with um, Further Films, Michael Douglas's company, where I wrote a treatment. Uh, we had a point person with development. She was supposed to hook me up with showrunners. So I think that's still available. Hopefully there's going to be some more uh, feature animation acting with Jorge Gutierrez. And um, I was in the movie Free Birds. I played uh, a character in that. So hopefully we'll, be, we'll see some more acting. And hopefully some of the things I pitch will come to fruition. I'm doing also Trip Tank on Comedy Central, which is voiceover. Okay, well, all the stuff you've done. What do you right now? What do you enjoy the most? I mean, are you, as you've gotten older, I mean, you love the everyone loved the road, but as you've gotten yeah. older and you've you've had a successful career, uh, do you enjoy now? Are you sitting there going, "I want to write more"? Or what? What did you? What? What do you want to do most now? Because I know you want to be, you have to be, you want to be local because yeah. you're a father. But what, I mean, would what would be the perfect scenario for you? You know, I pitched, the, the show I pitched I like is sort of an HBO idea. It's sort of a darker comedy. It's kind of Wilfredish and uh, in, uh, enlightened with Laura Dern. I would love to do a show like that or going on that Nisi Nash is doing. Something that's that, a great that's show. It's darker and full of sadness and meat. I, I, don't, I couldn't do a sitcom. I, I'd obviously do it for the money. But what I would love to do is something along the lines, maybe of a Key and Peele type of uh, sketch comedy and or a real dark comedy like a Wilfred, real good acting. But short of that, if I could work on some more cartoons and work on some uh, animated feature films and a primetime animated series and just be around my kids, I, I like that. And, and or pitch a show that I've written, animated and or otherwise. Uh, I'll take all of the above. But I, I did it, that thing for Channel 101. We were there. At, it's for free. We're working for free and everybody's working for free. And you go down to the downtown independent once a month and they vote on it. If your your sketch gets voted on, you do the next one. And so... We were there until four in the morning, but I was with guys that I liked, and it was a project that I liked, and it was inventive and weird. And I, so that's the stuff that I love doing. And not, not necessarily anything that would be super highly visible all the time, but if it's a great project and you're involved and, and, and I like it, that, that's, that's fine for me. You know, Obviously, making money at the end is, is right. really great, but 
It sounds kind of altruistic, but I do enjoy doing stuff that's really creative and fun. So did the Giants win it tonight, or did we go to Game 7? I'm going to go ahead and say the... The Giants win it because this kid Ventura has been unflappable for for the Rangers, but I think that he's wild. I think he can be wild. I think he can, it's going to get to him, and I think the Giants win it today. I think it's pitcher by committee. Bumgarner's available. Use Mero. The secret guy is use Mero Petit, who I saw pitch at Yankee Stadium during Mariano Rivera's last uh, Sunday game. Okay, yeah, he's he's got something. So I think Petit is our secret weapon, not so secret anymore. And I think we win game six. I don't want to go to game seven. I want to thank you for coming on. Thank uh, you. What's your, what's your Twitter? You tweet? Uh, at Carlos Ellis Rocky, and I'm on Facebook. And then the CarlosEllisRocky.com is my, is my uh, website. Do you tweet a lot? Do I? I try to tweet maybe once a day if I can. I don't tweet a lot. I need to master the hashtags and the yeah, hats crazy. and stuff. I want to thank you. So people, yeah, check him out. Check him out on uh, Twitter. Follow him on Twitter. You know what you can do? You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at, at Cooper Talk. I, I type a lot of jokes, especially during football games. I type a lot of uh, my random thoughts. Also, uh, send me an email, cooper at coopertalk.net, which is also my website. Go to the website. I have over 300 episodes up there, so check it out. If you go to iTunes or Stitcher, Cooper Talks, all one word. There's episodes are up there. Um, what else? Oh, if you have a Google, uh, if you have Android uh, mobile app or phone, go to the Google Play Store. It's Cooper Talk. Also, iHeartRadio is starting to pay me now on the iHeartRadio app. There's only seven episodes up. Uh, there, I have 11 in back up. They're all going to be the new ones, none of the old ones. So check out the old ones there. And yeah, keep listening. And yeah, do send me an email, cooper at coopertalk.net. And you know what? It's Halloween. We can have a good weekend. Be busy, be busy, but be safe and careful. There's a lot of drunks out there. Remember, eat your vitamins, drink your water, take your vegetables. I screwed that up. But hey, I'm Steve Cooper. My only tip is my guest. You guys have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next week. (laughs) These days.